back to Fight Capital, where we step into the ring of combat sports business. I'm your host, Ryan Rappaport. Today, I'm joined by Sajara Sarge Eubanks, a former UFC athlete who exploded on the scene in the reality TV series, The Ultimate Fighter. Sarge has always had a strong presence in the octagon and has proven time and time again that her skills are a blend of meticulous technique and indomitable spirit. Today, we're exploring the grit and grind that propelled her through intense battles and the legacy that she's building post-UFC as she continues to inspire athletes and businesses. Thanks for being here, Sajara. How are you and where are you joining from? Thanks, Ryan. That was a fantastic um, uh, intro. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm joining you guys from Freehold, New Jersey, by way of Springfield, Massachusetts. Yeah, and I, before our recording got screwed up before, <laughs> uh, I'm also a Western Mass native, grew up a little bit north of Springfield, but uh, did you go to Commerce High School? Did I read that somewhere? Yeah, yeah, I went to High School of Commerce. What town did you grow up in? Uh, Waitley, Massachusetts, which yeah. is, are you familiar with it? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a small one. Uh, normally, I just tell people Deerfield or Northampton, but uh, we actually played Commerce in high school. Uh, I played uh, twice, actually. So I don't know if you remember a guy named Mike Vaz. But, yes, uh, I remember Mike Vaz. Yeah, so uh, we played on all-star team together and uh, rest in peace, unfortunately. But um, yeah, it's just a funny, small world. <laughs> Very small, especially knowing Mike Vaz. Um, so for just reference for our listeners, Mike Vaz is like the athlete. When you have like the superstar, he was like the quarterback and the point guard. And he played like every sport. He was always the star of the team. And so he was like the most popular kid in high school. And yeah, rest in peace, super sad what happened to him. But super small world. So I know the town because I played high school basketball. It was not very good. But we played all the little area towns. We played like Ware, Wheatley, um, Palmer. So all of those uh, little uh, Western Mass towns I'm kind of familiar with. Oh, it's so funny. Well, it's actually one of the reasons why I kind of gravitated towards your career because I was paying attention to the Ultimate Fighter really closely. And I saw that you were from Springfield. I always have that hometown pride, wanted to see you do well. But, you know, just taking a few years step back there, what led you into professional combat sports? Um, yeah, it was a funny, funny start. I was always like into sports, but not very good. I was always kind of like, like I paid high school basketball, but I rolled the bench. <laughs> um, so after uh, I played a little bit of college tennis and was just kind of like trying to stay in shape and was working a job. I was like an intern at this um, company and I was super bored. And I put on like that first company 15 pounds where like you're sitting around a cubicle and eating like lunch all day. And so I was like, man, let me try to get back into some kind of athletic shape. And I had been watching like UFC on TV back when, way back when it was on Spike TV. And so for some reason, I'm watching it one night. I was like, I could do that. I don't know what to this day. I don't know what made me look at full combat sports and was like, sure. So I looked for um, an MMA gym near me. And so I tried a little like karate school and I was like, okay, this isn't it. And then I found the jujitsu school and I was like, oh. I know that. I know jujitsu. I've seen that on TV. And so I started doing jujitsu in 2008 at Lloyd Irvin's down in Maryland. Um, and it kind of just snowballed from there. I started competing in jujitsu, started winning, started doing well, quit my job and was doing jujitsu full time. And then I was like, you know, I was doing jujitsu tournaments and I was like, if I could just deck one of these girls, that would be great. <laughs> and I was like, and they were like, well, that's MMA. And so I started doing boxing and wrestling. Um, and, you know, fast forward to 2015, I made my pro debut um, for Invicta. And it just started snowballing. Got into the Ultimate Fighter, got into the UFC. And it was an incredible career. I set out as just some, you know, fat kid behind a desk and made an awesome career out of it. So super, super proud of what I did there. 
Well, another small world thing. I was actually just at Lloyd Irvin's gym a couple of weeks ago for a, a PFL open workout that they had there. So that's, that's so funny. And uh, I mean, th- that sports career uh, had a few different phases, right? Between the BJJ transitioning to MMA and now you're in the professional world. How has that journey shaped your business acumen and how you're approaching your career post UFC? Awesome. Um, you learn a lot in martial arts. You learn a lot about adversity. You learn a lot about um, challenge and networking and things like that over the course of my career. But I was blessed enough to have coaches that always had sort of a business mindset. Like when I was at Lloyd's doing jujitsu, he was always like, jujitsu is not going to put your kids through school. You have to be able to find other sources of income. So he always gave me and other athletes an opportunity to work in the gym. So when I was at Lloyd's, I was working the front desk. I was doing membership sales. I was doing um, uh, events and event management and, and consultation and things like that. So that was my first time doing a little bit of the business side of martial arts from from the very beginning. Um, and then when I went to the Ultimate Fighter and I joined um, the teams out here in uh, Jersey, I joined Mark Henry and Frankie Edgar, Nick Catone. Um, it was the same thing. I was always talking to like Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez was always like, you're going to make good money here, but you got to invest in property. You got to get yourself a business line of credit. You got to open up your LLC. You got to pay your taxes. So I was um talking to Corey Anderson. He's into investment. Talking to Frankie Edgar. He owns the UFC gym. So I was always kind of asking not only like, hey, what's the coolest combination to get this girl to the ground, but what can I do with this money that I'm making? Because I think a lot of fighters, um, which you know, early on, I was like, I'm making good money. And I think I was just lucky and blessed enough to be around other fighters who were a little bit smarter. Eddie Alvarez was one of the first people that was like, that money is going to come and it's going to go. Make sure that, make sure in this job is not a job that's guaranteed. One week, one year you'll be making, you know, $600,000 and next year you won't be able to sign a fight to save your life. So um, I was lucky enough to always have that other level of knowledge and intelligence around me. And I was able to sort of learn throughout the course of my career things that a lot of other fighters don't know like opening llc's and writing off your taxes and setting up your own payroll and things like that well that's uh quite the list of coaches there too i mean between <laughs> lloyd and mark and one kick nick is that what nick goes by did i did i hallucinate oh, one that kick one nick? no yeah no, nick no, no. One nick kick Catone, nick, sorry I'm going to tell him that. See what he says. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe made up a nickname for him there, but <laughs> it's like, but you, you've had some pretty amazing coaches there in your corner. Can you just tell me a little bit about that time where you've actually taken that experience from the mats and worked it into your professional life, particularly in the marketing and branding work you're doing now? Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of it has been like learning from the coaches and the other athletes around me. And a lot of it is, um, um, just trying to teach myself. Um, I, I think I'm a good reader. I don't think for the real avid readers, I'm not going to call myself an avid reader because I know some people that can read like a book a week. Um, I'm at like a book a quarter. I'm at like four books a year. Um, probably better than your average UFC fighter. But um, so I learned, to, I tried to learn stuff like that, Think and Grow Rich, the art of sales and things like that. Um, and so what really helped it out was for the bulk of my UFC career, I was pretty focused on on fighting. Um, but towards the last two years, I worked with um, another coach up here, Jamal Patterson, and was focused on using that marketing strategy. Um, so I did a lot of self-taught courses on Google and uh, like Udemy on how to do Facebook ads, Google ads, and social media marketing. Um, so I just kind of self-taught and trialed and aired with my own social media platform and with the gyms I was working at using email marketing, SEO and Facebook ads to get clients into the gym. So, um, I did a lot of that over the course of my career. So I kind of was able to do like part-time 
uh, marketing work. And so I learned how to like write ads and write sales funnels and uh, write call scripts and sign up members. Um, so it was, a, it was a lot of trial and error and a lot of self-taught kind of uh, uh, kind of situation there. But it was, it, it's been fun and it's been successful. I've been having a good time with it. Well, kudos to you to have the foresight to start building those skills before it was <laughs> the crucial breaking point there. But one of the things that I was really excited to talk to you about too, because you're actually my first guest who's been on The Ultimate Fighter. And I mean, you kind of exploded on the scene with that head kick there. And I, I'm just curious, like, how did that experience shape your views on the UFC, and I guess the, the sport of MMA as a whole? Um, the Ultimate Fighter experience to me, like, I've talked to a ton of people that's been on it, a ton of fighters has been on it. Um, to me, I think I'm one of the few, not the only, but I'm one of the few that thought it was like the best time of my whole life. I thought it was great. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, this is phenomenal. Um, that experience, in, in some ways, it was pros and cons. I think pros, it exploded my popularity. It got me into the UFC and it got my career rolling to a nice, to a nice fast start. But some of the cons were I was spoiled rotten on that show. Like they take, <laughs> like, okay, the downside, they take your phone. There's no phone, no books, no movies, no TV, no music, no radio. They, you are completely disconnected from the outside world. It's you, your coaches, and these 15 other women in the house. Um, and so again, I got blessed. I got lucky because I was on a house that didn't have a lot of drama. Like there wasn't a lot of heavy drinking. There wasn't a lot of fights. There wasn't really a lot of drama on that season. So I didn't really have to deal with, you know, fighting and arguing and all kinds of other stuff in the house. And then we got, you know, we had good budget that year. So we had this big dookie mansion. It had a pool, it had a ping pong table. And what they don't tell you is in the house when they stock the fridge, they give you like there's a notepad on the kitchen table and you can write in it whatever you want from the grocery store. And so it turned into a game. We were like, I would like grass fed uh, Bermudian uh, filet mignon from the outside loin. We were just making up stuff. We were like, can you get us goat milk from Bermuda? We were like, just me. So it was like, you didn't have to drive. You didn't have to shop. You didn't have to do anything but go to the gym train with some of the best fighters in the whole world, go back to this mansion, kick your feet up, relax for a couple hours and go back to the gym. So for me, I was in like a fighter's paradise. I wasn't even bothered that I didn't have my phone. I was like, who needs that? So I thought it was a wonderful experience. And when I came out of it, it was kind of like the real world. I was like, oh, I have to do my own shopping. Oh, I have to drive. Oh, I have to set my schedule. I have to do all kinds of stuff. Um, so it was, it was fun though. I, I had a blast on the show and I do not have a regret. I would totally do it again. It was a great time. Yeah, well, it's like a, a master class. I mean, granted, just the level of coaching that you have there and just be fully immersed in it too. I can only imagine what that gives you kind of skill-wise and strategy-wise. But, you know, taking those type of lessons and the number of years you spent in the octagon, are you finding that a lot of what you were doing during your fighting career is informing your business strategies and your approach now? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, a lot of it when I first um, left the UFC, I was like, I don't have enough business experience. And when I really over the last year have started to apply what I've learned um, and started to you know, work in the business industry, I realized I, I did have a lot of skills. Um, networking, you know, when you're in the UFC, I'm talking to, you know, I'm talking to uh, Ali Abdelaziz represented me throughout my career. 
you know, your contract negotiating with Ali and Mick and Dana, and then, then you have to get onto a media and you have to use your communication skills and your follow-up skills because, you know, I'm on podcasts and interviews and show, um, you know, right after Ultimate Fighter, I was going out to Fox Sports. And, um, and so I realized networking, communication and service was a big thing that I was utilizing and using over the couple of years and kind of didn't consciously realize how much that affects your business. And so um, just being able to develop strong, um, personable, open and and kind uh, business relationships over the course of the last couple of years has really helped me transition post post UFC. So things like project management, like I don't have a degree, but I certainly ran camps for me and other fighters. I had to organize travel. I had to arrange payments. I had to set up payroll. I had to um, set out schedules and emails. And so those are things that on the surface, you know, you don't see as work experience. But when you really look back, I'm like, this is real solid business experience. And so I've been able to sort of push that now in my business career. Like I might not have a resume that looks the same on paper. People think fighter oh, you just got to put your gloves on and go into the ring. Like, no, there's a lot more business acumen behind it, especially for the more successful fighters that you see. Most of the successful fighters know how to get on, into the media, know how to develop communications. Already you see fighters investing in other businesses outside of the UFC and things like that. So um, it's been an incredible experience and I'm happy to be able to translate it post-UFC career. Well, I mean, it sounds like there's a, a lot of camaraderie and hard work that you've done building those networks, just given who you've been working with and how you've been there. Do you have any like memorable stories about how that kind of camaraderie or maybe like a rivalry in combat sports impacted your business decisions or your opportunities? Um, For sure. I think the camaraderie helps a bunch. Um, Like, look, Ali Abdelaziz, I was signed with Ali for the entirety of my UFC career. I mean, there's not a guy in the world that he doesn't know. So, yeah, he's a legend. You know, you know, you want to make sure um, it's even little stuff like I'm hanging out. Like sometimes I'm talking. I'm like, you know, I know Frank. I got Frankie Edgar. I can call Frankie Edgar up right now. Caitlin Chukagian. Um, So anytime that you're able to develop a good relationship. And another one like I like to mention um, that, you know, I don't know any fighters who don't. But on the back end of the UFC, like I call them blue shirts. But if you've ever been behind the scenes of a UFC event, they have all of these staff running around in these blue polos with the UFC shirt, and they're the staff. They're the ones who are running you back and forth to your interviews. They're the ones that, if you need your new trip, like they, if you're at the hotel and you can't find your posters, or those are the people that are your kind of foot on the ground once you're at the events. Those are the people I always tried to make sure that I was really good to, too. And not just for my own benefit, but because, you know, my mom raised me to be nice to people. But <laughs> but those are the people that I always tried to develop good relationships, too, because, you know, I wanted to treat them just as importantly as, as Mick or Ali or, or Dana, because those are the ones that really affected your day-to-day experience while you were out at an event. Those are the ones that were giving you your schedule, walking you to your media, making sure the food got to your room. So... Um, those are other business, like, you know, business relationships that I was able to develop as well. So those are all, and those are always really great people. I always like to give the blue shirts a shout out. Yeah. Shout out to the athlete relations team. I'm actually working pretty closely with them now on a few things professionally. Uh, they've been great and hard worker for as much stuff as they have going on. And it's crazy. People don't see that part of it. So I'm glad you talk about that. The whole point of this is I'm trying to pull back that layer, you know, that curtain that as a casual fan, you may not understand how much goes into it. Never mind 
when a fight happens, but everything else outside of that, I mean, it's only, it's insane and how much those people have to travel. So that's always nice to hear when the athletes are giving them their props and supporting them because there's a lot going on there, but you've built this pretty amazing network from your time there within combat sports. And how have you been leveraging that post-career? Um, I've just been leveraging it one, um, I hate to say it, but name dropping like crazy. <laughs> um, you know, um, that, that's sort of part of it. I'm working on a couple of, of different projects, uh, right now. So, and it's fun too. Some, some of these, uh, projects I'm working on, I've had to apply just like any other person. I've had to enter my resume and do an interview. And so the, the best part to apply it is when, you know, I've been, I've been on a couple of job interviews with some big companies, a kind of you know, hold it a little close right now. But, you know, I've been in there like, oh, your resume jumped out to me, like UFC fighter. I'm like, yeah, I like, <laughs> and so when you have your personal references page, I can literally just be like, pick one. I'm like, <laughs> so that's always, um, that's been really helpful here. Um, so I'm, I'm close to negotiating, uh, to finishing a, a contract with, um, a gym management and partnership right now. So that, that helps a ton too. Um, so, uh, I think with my experience and my, personal references, and also being able to reach out when I was first leaving UFC and looking for the next phases of my career, being able to reach out to that that network and be like, hey, what'd you guys do after you were done? Um, any recommendations, um, any any tips for how to save or or should I, like, I didn't finish school. I asked a couple, should I go back and get my degree or or should I just finish this project certification course? So I've been able to talk to a bunch of people in my network to help with those kinds of things. So um, that's been that's been incredible as well, just being able to tap into such a, such a vast resource of knowledge. And so I've got a couple, I've got a ton of people like, you need a reference? Give them my number. So that's, the references alone have been, have been fantastic. That's amazing. And I will say too, just give you your flowers, your LinkedIn profile is on point. I mean, I, I talk with several fighters all the way from like amateurs to UFC to people who are retired. And one of the biggest things I push on people is get on LinkedIn, build your brand and presence there. And you just got right to it on there. You even had like a great header photo and that's, you'd be surprised how many people are on that train. So I just wanted to shout out you there too, because it's pretty cool to see athletes thinking about that. Because I, I think LinkedIn is like one of the most powerful platforms and it's way underutilized by athletes for brand partnerships and building network connections and finding opportunities. So I see that you're you're on there strong. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. The, I think the LinkedIn light bulb went off for me like like maybe a couple of weeks ago. Like I had a LinkedIn profile a long time ago, never logged in, never used it. And a couple of weeks ago, because I had a couple of, you know, second follow-up interviews with a couple of big businesses, big companies, and I'm looking around and everything was like, what's your LinkedIn profile? Like, thing. And I'm like, all right, I got to fix this LinkedIn like right away. And so I went in and I spent like all day just making sure it was good to go. And I know a photographer, again, the networks, I know a fight photographer around here. Um, he shoots in freehold all the time. And I was like, Angelo, shout out to Angelo. I was like, Angelo, I need headshots like today. <laughs> And so I was like, I can do tomorrow. Threw on a suit, got me some headshots, got the LinkedIn profile up. Because I realized as I'm applying for these business jobs, all of my best shots are me punching someone in the face or ah, that, which is good. But mm -hmm. it already says UFC fighter right there in the headline. I don't think I need to have me kicking someone upside the head in the LinkedIn. So I was like, oh, boom, headshots. So I got some headshots done. And it's been interesting. After I got my headshots, I was like, okay, I can do this suit and tie life. I kind of like it. 
Yeah, well, I mean, there's a, there's stigma there, right, with people who are professional combat sports athletes. But once you people start talking, you know, oh, this person has depth. They have intelligence, and no one gets to that level in martial arts without having some strategic uh, plans that they put into place and willpower and commitment. I mean, there's just so much that goes into being a professional athlete, never mind in combat sports. And I think you did a really good job of highlighting that as well for your what your career was, but also where you're looking to go. It's it just yells out of your profile. And there's one thing that I'm curious to pick your brain on, and it's a very controversial subject within the sport, but as someone who's kind of looking at the sports business side of it, it's always been interesting to me. Now, anytime I ever did sports that a lot of other people were having to cut weight, I am one of those lucky people that I was just heavy enough that they didn't want to make me like, uh, you know, sub two, like 205 or like a light heavyweight. I was always a heavyweight and I never had to cut anything. But I know with, you know, just the way that the sport is, there's a lot of weight cutting that happens in MMA. And I was just curious to get your thoughts on the subject. Is it good for the sport? Is it bad for the sport? I mean, wh where do you kind of see that playing into the future and the current uh, state of it? Yeah, um, great question. Great question. Um, I've kind of got like a two sides to the coin kind of experience with it. One, like, I think right now, the state of martial arts, the state of combat sports, weight cutting is a part of it. And that's just what it is. And from my experience, I just don't see how we could eliminate weight cutting. I just don't see any way to remove it because it's just so deeply, um, um, you know, embedded in in how people prepare for fights. And it's so much a part of the fighting career that it has to be mastered. And if you master the weight cutting, you'll advance your career better than someone who doesn't master weight cutting. I can be, I can be honest with you, and I'm not one of the people that mastered weight cutting. I'm not one of them. I did good. I did, I did good, and I cut a lot of weight and was very successful considering I was one of the largest athletes in the UFC women's flyweight division. I was just one of the biggest girls in the division. I worked very closely with the UFC PI, and I was just one of those athletes that I was just too short for 35 and too muscular for 25. So I had to cut to 25 because when I went up to 35, I made 35 no problem. The girls were like a full head taller than me. I'm, like, I'm punching these girls and it wasn't even just the size. There's a couple of 35 pound fights where I would be decking these girls and they just would eat it. Like when I fought Kat Levere, I was like, I got to hit this girl with a baseball bat. She's just boom. It just boom, just keeps going. So I was able to be more powerful and execute um, my game plan better at 125, but I was zapped from the weight cut. So you know, and that's to say, I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, let's eliminate weight cutting. I just had to figure out where am I going to go and where I'm going to be most successful. So I don't think weight cutting is going anywhere. I see like um, the the state of California and, and I think 1FC are implementing these maximum rehydration protocols. Um, I disagree with those because um, for me, all that's going to do, people are going to cut fighters are going to cut. So now you're just stopping them from rehydrating, which is what, what I did on the ultimate fighter. I knew I was cutting in two weeks. I just didn't rehydrate. I was like, okay, I'm going to cut this weight and I'm just not going to properly rehydrate myself for the fight. And so there's a, there's a, I, I don't think the rehydration protocols are going to fix it. I think the best way to fix weight cutting, if it were to be fixed, is to put more weight classes in. So if you put more weight classes in, people are going to naturally fight closer to where they are because there's going to be no need to have to go 15 pounds down. 
For example, if there was a 130, I would fight 130 no problem. That would be my weight class. I would be there. I get to 130 very easily when I cut. It's always like 28, 29, 27. That starts to give me a hard time. But, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. I've heard on the reverse side, if you put in too many weight classes, it starts to get like boxing and it gets a little bit too muddled for the fans. You kind of can't understand who's the champ where. Um, so long story short, I don't think weight cutting is going anywhere. And hopefully with the UFC PI and with nutrition and with education, we can do weight cutting better and smarter. I think for the women, for sure, we need more weight classes because a, a 10 pound difference for a lady is just different, just different from a 10 pound difference for a guy. Like our, our bodies are, um, there's a lot, there's a lot more going on when we cut weight and there's um, our bone density is different. Our fat holds are different. Our cycles are a factor. And I think for women, there should be more weight classes, but I just don't see that happening any, anytime soon. I mean, those are all really awesome points. I think about if you just look between 171 and 155 and the men's in that gap, I mean, and it's killer's row on both sides of that, right? There has to be some in between and even like, 175 to 180 or 171 to 185 that's a huge gap so i mean i just uh as someone who never had to weight cut luckily looking at it from the outside it doesn't seem like that big of a deal but knowing athletes and everything that people go through to hit that it's 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 just one of those things right i don't, I don't know what the answer is i even those hydration tests like people fail them all the time and it's like the one like one has this they're like oh this person failed and they're like well they failed their hydration test so does that does that mean they actually failed making way i don't know but it, it's one of those controversial things i i'm right in line with you that i would love to see at least one or two more weight classes to break that up because that is like a majority if you look at the average body size that's where they're coming in right so it's mm -hmm. like, it would only make sense to kind of backfill yeah. that yeah well, this is awesome. I, a couple of things you've said here, I think are, will be very, very valuable to athletes who are either at that pinnacle of moving into the next portion of their life, whether that's leaving combat sports, kind of growing in combat sports, but this is the type of stuff people should be thinking of immediately. Cause you never know. I mean, this is one of those things where you never know when it's going to be your, your last fight or your last day, right? And everyone wants to keep dragging it out. But, you know, I appreciate you coming on here and dropping some of that knowledge as someone who's kind of fresh into it, because I think there's a lot of value. I mean, I have at least two friends right now who are kind of like at that precipice, right? They're in their like mid thirties and yeah, they still have some gas in the tank, but you know, you want the best for your friends and family as they kind of make that transition. And I know that you're doing some good stuff outside of what you were fighting outside of the octagon now to help people get there. But I'm just curious, like anyone who's listening to this on the audience, how can they support your work and these new projects you're working on? Yeah, for sure. I think the best way to support me right now is follow me on all my socials. Um, follow me on LinkedIn and Instagram, especially um, because I do hope to be making an announcement very soon about um, about my next move. Um, I've been, you know, I'll give a little bit of a hint, but it's going to be in the gym management side. Um, you know, the, one of the natural paths to the fighter is after you fight, you open a gym. And I've always been like, mm, I don't know if I want to open my own gym, but I do have a partnership um, that I'm negotiating right now. We're coming very close to the end of settling that agreement. And so I hope within hopefully the next couple of days, I was actually pushing my guy last night to see if I can get it announced by today. Um, but I very, I hope very soon to be a, a, announcing um, a good opportunity 
with a gym in the New Jersey area. It's going to be massive. If we get it done, it's going to be a 20,000 square foot facility. It's going to have jujitsu, Muay Thai, MMA, boxing, weightlifting, all kinds of stuff. So I'm going to wait till I get that dotted line first. Um, but the best way to stay up to date on that is to follow me on Instagram at Sergeant Charge. You can follow me on LinkedIn. Just type in Sajara Eubanks. There's not another one of those. So you should be able to find me. Find me just just fine if you type in my name. There's not too many Sajara Eubanks out there. Um, that's the best way to support. Follow along. I'll be announcing everything on my socials um, hopefully soon. Yeah, well, once you do make that announcement, I'll make sure to share that. And then I'll, I'll make sure to add all those links in here as well. Uh, once these post up on YouTube, Spotify, LinkedIn, all that. Well, this is uh, such an honor having you here today, Sarge. And thank you for doing this. I really think people are going to get value out of this and really looking forward to hearing what's next and seeing you take over that as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that very much. For any fighters listening, this will be my one tip. Pay your taxes. Get an LLC. Get an LLC. Find any accountant worth their their weight in two. It don't even have to be a phenomenal accountant. Um, and as a matter of fact, if you want an accountant, find me on Instagram and I'll or my LinkedIn and I'll refer you to mine. She's a great accountant. Um, she works with fighters actually. Um, and one of the things I learned the most is that when you cash that first big check, the government will come for the taxes. So that's my last little tidbit. Make sure y'all find a good accountant. Get that LLC. Yeah. I don't think people realize that athletes are independent contractors and yes. it's what is it like 38% that you're paying, you know, never mind your coaches and the, your teams and all of that, everyone who's taken that cut out of it. It adds up, it adds up quick. So that's amazing advice. And I, it's a, such a great place to leave it too. I might even be the highlight that we're posting as the, because <laughs> there's one thing that are, that are guaranteed here in the U S and that's a death in taxes. So <laughs> you're coming. coming and a good account will get you some good write-offs guys. So Get that yeah. LLC, get them taxes in. I'm, I'm happy to help. Amen. Well, thanks again so much, Sajar. I really appreciate you being here and looking forward to see what you do next. Thanks, Ryan. I really uh, had a good time. Thanks again. You too. Thank you.